0: Hello and welcome back to Equity. My name is Alex and I have Danny Crichton here. This is an Equity Shot, one of our single topic little throwaway shows we do when news breaks that we cannot shut up about. Danny, one, how hype are you that it's Friday? And two, how hype are you to talk about Zoom?
1: Uh, I am way happier than the five nine shareholders are right about now. Well, that's not saying that much. So you're kind of medium then, I take it? I, I would like to have had a lot of cheap Zoom stock. And i did not get that today so instead i'm having a a t all right well, tea.
0: That, that was my attempt at asking danny a human question apart from the topic at hand which he rejected <laughs> twice so i think we can move I on i that's
1: and, the uh, generalized artificial intelligence that runs my brain yeah this not process your your comments
0: it's not gpt3 it's just gpt danny um anyways no we are here because zoom tried to buy five nine the deal was announced it looked a little cheap, and then the deal fell apart. This came out last night. Uh, we are here as soon as we could kind of get the troops together. Danny, uh, first of all, how frequently do we see deals worth $10 billion or more fall apart this quickly? Because it feels rare to me, but I wanted to get your perspective on that.
1: Well, they, they don't re- fall apart regularly. Certainly in the last two years, there's been an explosion of M&A, right? So I, I believe in 2020, there was something like $1.5 trillion of MA deals announced. Uh, and, and obviously, when you're doing a $10 billion transaction, you generally are very prepped, right? You have a great story. Investors are sort of very well aware of what's going on next. You know, regulatory approvals might be complicated, but you sort of have a plan on how to handle whether it's US or international uh, uh, regulatory approvals. So usually they happen, right? Because it's obviously a huge black eye to any company that tries to consummate a $10 billion deal and fails.
0: Yeah. And in this case, we were looking at a simply massive transaction. Zoom, of course, is a public company. Five9 is a public company. So this was not, you know, the purchase of a startup. This was two public companies kind of coming together. Uh, and Danny, the uh, the official verbiage is that this was mutually terminated. Um, however, given the the regulatory environment and the recent shareholder vote, mutually seems to be a bit kind.
1: Well, for sure. I mean, to it, be clear, 5-9 shareholders declined to move forward. And <laughs> because they declined to move forward, the companies mutually agreed to follow the legally mandated vote from right. the 5-9 shareholders. So, so it's one of these like, you know, we're 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 getting divorced, and your wife announces you're you're getting a divorce. We've mutually agreed to separate. Yeah, and you're like, it, but one person filed the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to make
0: a similar sort of analogy there. It's like you're dating someone, and you're like, let's keep dating, and they're like, absolutely not. It's not mutual. You got dumped. And five nine shareholders told Zoom where to stick it. And Danny, it seems to be that there's there's some nuance to this. We shouldn't just make fun of Zoom, but um, this was an all stock transaction, uh, at least in theory. And $14.7 billion worth worth of stock is a lot, but it seems that Five9 shareholders just felt that it was too thin a premium on where Five9 was trading. So for folks who don't know, why do you pay a premium to buy a public company or why do you need a premium really to do so?
1: Well, you always have a premium, right? Obviously, you can continue doing what you're doing, and you get the value of market cap that you have today. Um, when you're doing a transaction, there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainties. Um, will the combination be successful? Will there be synergies and you have more value? Um, as we know from, from corporate life, oftentimes synergy reduces value. Um, we're at a company called Yahoo, where that may be a part of our story over the last five to 10 years, although you didn't hear that from me. Uh, you can read the seven billion dollar write-off from a 12 billion dollar company in the sec filings from a couple of years ago and so oftentimes you have to give a premium for investors to get them over the hump to say okay uh, i know there's some uncertainties but i'm going to make a couple extra billion bucks i feel good about that
0: the, the other side to paying a premium is that you know investors who hold a stock let's say you know you own a lot of five nine you don't own it because you think that it's worth exactly to the penny what you paid for it you buy it because you think it is upside You think that there's value there that will be unlocked through time and so if you're going to sell your shares to someone else in this case zoom you're going to want to get paid for some of that upside that you were anticipating otherwise why would you say yes and uh they said no because they felt like the premium that zoom was offering was insufficient and danny there's also kind of like discrepant growth rates here that kind of comes into play for the value of each company
1: well you know it's so strange right so i don't think a lot of folks probably know five nine i certainly have never heard of the company until it got bought by zoom (laughs) <laughs> but, but they're in the, the customer contact space. So if you yes. call your customer service, if you've ever been on hold and you were, you know, they're asking like, you know, one for this and please say which number you want, and you're like two. And then they're like, you selected five. Uh, you're immediately hanging up now. Um, that's probably like a Five9 or, or a competitor's program. They manage call centers and all those voice. And so you can imagine there's actually a direct connection to Zoom. The argument here, Zoom's video, Five9 is focused on voice. And you could bring the two together to have a, a visual uh, call contact center. So when you call Verizon to cancel your cell phone service, um, they could make you do a dance or something in order to actually get your contract uh, annulled.
0: Danny, if we're gonna if we're gonna get fired by someone.
1: I suppose Verizon can't fire us anymore. Verizon can't fire us anymore. We're free though, to for, make fun of for, Verizon. No,
0: Verizon still owns 10%. Well, we were, we were always free to make fun of Verizon at our own risk, um, but they only own 10% of Yahoo. So, you know, if we're going to talk about companies that suck, let's go back to the traditional target and make fun of either Comcast or Oracle, America's worst <laughs> companies. Let's not, you know, Verizon is, was, was an easy target because we worked for them, but they're like, they're, they're bottom 10, but they're not bottom two, you know, as far as crap goes. Anyways, the point is, uh, the deal value declined. And if you were already worried about kind of a thin premium for the 5.9 transaction, watching Zoom's share price decline, effectively repricing the deal, uh, was a bit of a poison pill that the public markets gave to the transaction.
1: That's right. So um, when the deal was announced in July, um, each share of 5.9 stock was going to be transferred into Zoom at a 0.5533 ratio. So about yeah. a little bit over a half. It's math and the deal value was around just shy of 15 billion dollars since July Zoom has had a little bit of headwinds um the stock has declined a couple of percentage points and so just this week it was down to about 12.4 from about 15 um which mm-hmm. means that if you're thinking about the deal value you're talking about 15 20% decline in just two and a half months um for a deal that, and this is sort of the challenge with an all stock deal um you're sort of at the vagaries of the market. And so as Zoom's share declined, Five Nine investors were like, whoa, what are we getting ourselves into? This isn't great.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, a little bit more context here. You know, if you're thinking, why wouldn't you sell your company to Zoom for Zoom stock when Zoom is growing so quickly? Well, Five Nine actually had some pretty impressive results of its own. Um, I pulled up their second quarter financial report, their most recent quarter. This was announced uh, in late July, so it's not that far behind. Uh, They grew 44% in the quarter to $143.8 million in revenue. And they had gross margins of 55%, adjusted gross margins of 63%. So this is a a software business putting up material growth that has reached scale. So it has value by itself. It's not just something that Zoom was mercy buying, if you will, Danny. It was something that they actually really wanted to leverage. And so I'm not surprised to see this fall apart. In fact, my, my question on the back end now that
1: it has, Danny, is why did zoom think they could
0: afford to buy it so cheaply and, and was that hubris
1: well i mean uh, the company uh, what's interesting is they had a shareholders meeting on september 14th they give an investor presentation basically trying to save the deal as it was sort of falling <laughs> apart in the last couple of weeks and so they were arguing uh, that for five it's actually amazing as a piece of rhetoric by the way because obviously it was the five nine shareholders not the zoom shareholders who were not happy with where the price was and where it was going yeah. and so it actually argued that among SaaS multiples. Five nine actually had the second best metric among all SaaS companies as a purchase price. So in the current value, they said that it represents a 21.5x enterprise value to next 12 months revenue multiple, <laughs> the second highest among all public SaaS companies of all time, with only Slack being ahead. And so one of the interesting things is that they were arguing very strenuously that they're actually getting like the deal of a lifetime, and obviously it didn't pan out
0: yeah well it, when you start breaking out enterprise to next 12 months multiples i feel like you're sandbagging gently because enterprise value if you're not super caught up in all of your accounting terms is uh, a way to calculate the value of a company and what it does is it calculates the value or sorry, the cost it would be to overtake the company to buy it so you add debt and you subtract cash and so it's not market cap it's a different number i would be much more curious danny to see the current annual run rate of the business multiple Compared to its current valuation, I think that would give you a very different metric. And so, to me, they're like saying, if you look through this lens, we look great. But if you look through this other lens, we don't. And so, to me, it's kind of it's kind of shenanigans.
1: The, the fun Orwellian part of this is that um, they were comparing the two businesses, and obviously, in this context, they're basically arguing that Five Nine is 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 a terrible business, right? So they're comparing last twelve months revenue: half a billion for Five Nine, three point six billion for for Zoom. Um, last 12 months revenue growth rate, 41% for Five9, Zoom 170%, um, net dollar retention rate, 123% for 5 Nine, 130% for Zoom, right? So they're trying to show this this image of like, small company, not growing very fast, not a lot of free cash flow, not all that great. This is a, a deal of a lifetime. And then when they canceled the deal yesterday, Five9 posts on their website, a press release that's like, why we're still a great business. And it is basically the opposite of everything reported in the September 14th investor presentation. You can't make this stuff up. It's actually amazing. It's are gorgeous.
0: You, are you trying to tell me that there's corporate spin involved in the discussion of a merger from two different perspectives and two different time points? I'm blown away, Danny. They, they weren't lying originally. Just the deal wasn't as good as they wanted it to appear on paper. And if it had been as good as it appeared on paper, then it would have been approved. Uh, but no, it didn't happen. And I'll just say that, you know, going back to the the growth rate comparison that Danny just made, we're, we're comparing zoom during a period of time when the entire world turned to its service through no, you know, it, it was ready for the, the bump in usage, but it didn't design COVID. It's a technology company, not a bioterrorism outfit. Um, and five, and, and five men's growth is actually accelerating. They grew 44% in the last quarter, 41% in the last year. That's acceleration at scale, which is rare to see from software companies, which may have actually led its investors to demand, essentially implicitly by rejecting the deal, more money. And it'll be fine as, as a private company. Now, sorry, public company, independent. Danny, the China point. Uh, There's also some antitrust kind of regulatory concerns watching around here. Uh, People were worried about where Zoom has its uh, R&D. And I'm curious if if you think that actually mattered in this failed transaction, or if this was mostly just dollars and cents versus kind of geopolitical intrigue.
1: I think it's the intersection of the two for sure. Um, It was reported about a week ago that um, what was formerly known as Team Telecom, which is sort of this... It was at once an informal, and now it is a formalized uh, institutional interagency group that evaluates telecoms deals. So they advise the FCC. It's made up of of Treasury and, um, and Justice and a couple other different groups. And um, their job is to look at deals exactly like this, of communications infrastructure. They're actually most well-known for underseas uh, internet pipes. Uh, yep. You know, So if you're connecting... Hong Kong to the US, they're the ones who could sort of evaluate this, but obviously Zoom and Five9 being in the communication space, you know, definitely falls under their purview. Um, and they did open an investigation on national security grounds, and I, I think, you know, given the timing of that with the broader cross-section of, you know, the math was starting to make less sense economically, um, you know, no one actually said that they were going to be rejected. It was that they were actually going to do a formal investigation. Uh, that doesn't mean it was going to fail, but the right. fact that there was going to be even more regulatory heat at the same time that the economics didn't work out—obviously, you're starting to make a, a huge challenge to get over the line uh, for the deal.
0: Yeah, a formal investigation of your deal is about as much fun as having the uh, IRS go through your taxes. It's not—you don't like it, even if your taxes are perfect. You're not going to have a good time as people white glove through your numbers, in this case, your operations. And you know, don't forget, there was uh, various bits of cybersecurity. Kerfuffle around Zoom early in the pandemic about who owned it and you know who were we depending on for school and for you know healthcare tech and so forth and this came up in the telemedicine conversation because Zoom became very popular there.
1: Well, and, and, and Zoom's first M and A was actually Keybase, uh, which they did last year precisely to bolster their cybersecurity bonafides, um, and and I think. You know, uh, recently, earlier this year, you know, a Brooklyn District Court um, did file charges against a China-based Zoom executive who had shut down a Zoom call about Tiananmen Square. Um, And so it just, it's touched on a lot of issues that obviously vary in the headlines these days in Washington and elsewhere. And and again, I I do think this is mostly economic, and certainly the regulatory pieces did not help the situation at all. Before we go on more on regulatory, I do want to talk a little bit about strategy here. You know, Zoom, Zoom is in in a tough pickle you know, why did they do a $15 billion transaction? It's actually a huge, if you think about the percentage of the company, it's about $100 billion valuation, now 90. But, you know, let's say it's 90 billion market cap. 15 out of 90 is a big F in number, right? Like this is a huge percentage of the value of a company. This is a, a bet the farm sort of deal. And um, what I think is going on is, as as folks are returning to normal life, there's a lot of concerns that Zoom, you know, sort of loses a lot of its steam as folks go away from virtual meetings, away from virtual events um into real life again. And so the goal here was to sort of enter new markets like call centers, which are never going to stop being virtual. We're never going to walk up to a teller um to cancel a bill again. And um, you know, it really opens the question of what's next for Zoom. Zoom also had a report similar to Five nine saying, like, we're still a great business as well. Uh, even though this didn't pan out and we said that this was like critical to the future of the company. Um, they emphasize uh, products like Zoom Phone, Zoom Events, which competes with Hopin, Jumpstart. So they have a Zoom video SDK that's competing with Twilio and a bunch of other infrastructure around doing video streaming. Um, so it really opens a, a question of what's next for Zoom, because they do face extreme competition, not just from startups uh, in edtech and elsewhere that Natasha, our regular co-host, uh, has talked about a, a lot, but also from the big tech players, uh, Microsoft. Uh, Google are both getting into the video streaming market and competing very ferociously, um, offering in many cases the product for free for existing customers of Google Docs and Microsoft Office 365. So I actually think Zoom's in a very tough position here. The market sort of didn't move a lot on this news in the last day. I expect there to be more coming in the next couple of weeks.
0: So I'm just pulling up uh, Zoom's quarterly results because I think you're right, Danny, to say that there are i would say some issues down the road for future growth but it's important just to keep in mind that the company's uh 1.02 billion in second quarter fiscal year revenue uh was up 54 percent that's still quite a lot that's still a very impressive pace of growth and critically the company is putting up material gap net income so it's profitable on a non-adjusted basis so when denny says they're in a pickle i presume Denny, what you're saying is they need to find a way to keep growth strong not that they're in any danger of going out of business and i think that's an important Clarification for folks out there who may have read a little bit more doom and gloom into your words.
1: Well, I will say, I mean, when we're talking about SaaS companies, but I mean, this is one of the challenges, right? It's so built off the growth story, right? Those multiples are so heady that uh, you need extremely rapid growth, the kind of growth that Zoom has experienced over the last 18 months um, to really maintain that valuation. And I, I, I think, you know, as they even argued in the investor presentation, uh, somewhat like flippantly, I actually enjoyed, again, the investor presentation is one of these great pieces of rhetoric that you could really enjoy. Um, but it, there was a line that was like, despite meeting, you know, uh, growth targets continuing to grow extremely fast and the fact that their margins are holding up, like Zoom stock has declined 25%. And the argument was essentially, you know, actually Zoom's a really great company and investors are dumb. That is in a presentation called investor presentation. Uh, I, I think that what you're going to see, though, is a continued mar- uh, multiple shrinkage as that growth <sighs> goes back down to earth. And that doesn't mean that Zoom's not a great company. It doesn't mean it's not growing a lot. But as soon as you're not growing at breakneck speed, that multiple compresses quite a bit.
0: Yeah. And just to pull it up. So I, I just grabbed the latest Zoom uh, market cap data from uh, Yahoo Finance, our, our sister company, if you will. They're worth about $80 billion. So this deal at 15 would have been, you know, 18, 19% of the company. And at $80 billion and $1 billion in revenue in the last quarter, it's a $4 billion a year run rate. It's $80 billion. It's a 20X ARR multiple, give or take. Uh, which is, which is, oh, Danny, I almost want to say not that expensive compared to what I was going to say, not other...
1: bad anymore. Yeah. because it's, it's
0: gone down to the point to because which it has of gone fits. Down, yeah. yeah. The thing that Zoom has that other SaaS companies that have slightly higher growth rates may, may have is that it has actual profits. And I, I know that's really kind of a dirty word. We don't talk about much in the SaaS space, but when you think about like, you know, Twilio and other companies that are sporting higher growth rates and higher uh, effective ARR multiples or equivalent, they're all really unprofitable, and so like I, I wonder. I, I'm almost surprised that Zoom doesn't get more of a profit uh, premium on, in addition to kind of its growth multiple. Because it, it's trading like it's break even. Is my read of its current valuation, which which seems to be a little bit unkind given what it has done in the last couple of years, and the fact that it's running like you know 30, 40 percent uh, uh, net margins, which is freaking crazy good. That's lovely I,
1: I i think it's a question of you know can they spend that money properly i mean yeah. it, obviously growth is the main metric of investors are looking for in the SaaS space when you don't have growth you switch to okay can you bolt on acquisitions using that free cash flow in your balance sheet well they just tried to and they failed so yeah, okay. uh, to me they, they it's they fail, like they yeah. failed
0: once i mean like like why don't they just go buy hoppin
1: i i they might i mean that that's an interesting question like well, what else would they buy whether well, you could buy right. hoppin Hopin would be very expensive. I believe they have a, a 1,000 to 1 uh, multiple these days, given some of the last valuations and some of the numbers we know. Um, yeah. And again, I think that does not necessarily solve the problem, which is Zoom was looking for a stable core that says people are going to use this even if we go back to fully in-person. Oh, you know, I see In real point. life I see experiences. Point. And Hopin is a bet that we're going to continue to do virtual. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, not that we can disclose a lot of numbers. Uh, I guess we at some point could disclose more numbers because we're now a private company instead of a public company, but like disrupted super well. Um, one of the things that was really surprising to me, you know, we ran on Hoppin last year for 2020. Uh, 20. We ran on uh, Hoppin for 2021. Um, one of the num- uh, things that was really surprising is our engagement was like, up the roof on everything, like every number. Yeah was better. And I think partly because people got used to the virtual experience, they they have more patience, so they don't just keep, you know, clicking from page to page to page because they're bored. Um, you know, people are used to now watching videos online. So I actually think that virtual has a huge future, but that's the future that Zoom's already in. And I think it's trying to prove that they're, they're the future.
0: The, the future they already own, essentially, you know, what else can they do? Right. And so like, there's other things they could do. Like uh, they could buy Gong, which is in the sales enablement space and deals with recorded conversations and so forth if they're going to do zoom phone that could be where they go um but Danny, it isn't the longest list of possible acquisitions i don't have 20 names in mind i've got like four which makes me worry
1: i think zoom is probably the best company where if you were an mba student looking to do a corp strategy you know case study um it's tough you're looking to expand you're up against ferocious competition. So you're trying to find, you know, green fields or areas where you have some synergy where you can compete with Google and Microsoft and others with with tens of billions of dollars going in. Like you just mentioned, Gong is a great example, but yeah. you're up against Microsoft and LinkedIn as a combo, right? So you already have a CRM dynamic there and all they need to add is video and, and voice into that product. So I I think it's a hard strategy, but I want to pivot to one other component here, which is talking about regulatory and M&A. Um, obviously one of the big deals still left to go. Um. NVIDIA and ARM is is still in the mix. Uh, we brought it up a couple of times in August uh, as there's been some up, uh, developments there. That was announced in 2020. Yep. Huge breakthrough, $45 billion M&A. Um, it's going through reviews in four places, uh, the UK, EU, US, and China. Um, it looks like it's starting to sputter uh, due to uh, CMA uh, blocking it a little bit in the UK. The EU's looking at it. China doesn't like it. Um, and there's a huge amount of China dynamics with ARM and ARM China. And the U.S. is sort of like, eh, we'll wait for everyone else to sort of see what's going on. Um, so that might be the second largest uh, big M&A because I predict that that is going to fail. Yeah, uh, if, if someone is able to thread the needle on that one, uh, Points. they really should be a couple billion dollars to those folks because good job.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a, um, a decreasing factor of likelihood with the number of continents involved in a deal and also the number of billions of dollars. And by the time you get to four major regulatory players and forty five billion dollars in value. Uh, my gosh, why don't you just put a hand grenade under your pillow and pull the pen and try to take a nap? I mean, like who it's I, can you? OK, here, here's the question, Danny. Can you imagine that deal being announced today?
1: No, I couldn't imagine the deal being announced then. So yeah, well, okay, I, I right. suppose but it's I mean, exactly like, the same. Yes, yes, exactly. So actually worse think, now. you know, for the environment, and this is a huge open question for tech, and I think was what we'll leave folks with. is like, you know, as more and more M&A deals become contested as, you know, Lita Khan and others in the FTC and elsewhere in the U.S. regulatory bureaucracy start to question these sorts of tie-up deals. I think there's a huge open question of what does the market look like for tech startups in the exits going yes. forward? Obviously, SPACs are down. M&A is going to get trickier, particularly for the largest players who have the most money to actually buy companies. Um, And the public markets obviously have been very hot and and seem like a legitimate target. But a lot of companies have always been structured as we're ultimately going to get bought by one of the big players and aren't necessarily prepared to go public and be scrutinized as a public company. I think there's huge questions around the exit market going forward.
0: Yes. And this is a brilliant echo of uh, the Friday morning equity podcast episode in which we discussed uh, IPOs. And Natasha raised the point that v, uh, an investor was telling her that we should focus more on M&A and less on IPOs because there's more M&A than there are IPOs. And our riff then was, well, cool. Tell us more about those deals. But Jenny's point, uh, there may not be as much mega M&A as you thought. I mean, I think the Visa um, Plaid deal is a good example of uh, the current environment we're in. Here's another example. But we'll leave you there. Uh, if you own Five9 stock, I hope you got what you wanted. If you own Zoom stock, uh, tough, life moves on. And uh, we'll talk to you all Monday. Goodbye.